Have you ever had anybody in an interview that later is different than what you saw in the, I mean, completely different. And I call it the art of being likable for an hour. I mean, they've got an art form of interviewing with you and you are like, man, that's the person. And then they get there and you're like, what the heck? <laughs> what, what happened, you know, over time? But they've gotten it down to a science that they're, they're likable for an hour. And I have learned through that as we dive into this topic, we have a, a tool called Zero Risk that is not a personality assessment. It's a work style, and it goes into political savvy, ego, self-awareness, all these other things. And it's a psychologically based tool. You've taken it, Randy. I had you mm -hmm. take it for us, and we're exploring it on Cheryl's team as a, as a direct reports. But it dives into questions, and that has become my truth. So no matter what I see, I always have the top candidate or candidates do a zero risk and look at that and say, okay, how is that different than what I saw? And I always now dive into that to explore it further to figure out the truth before I hire. Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. So he's very, very, very good at his job, but nobody can stand him. And so I told Lisa before we hit record, I, this is the way my brain works. And I don't know if it's my brain or my life, Lisa, but weeks seem to have themes. And this week, the theme has been likability. Uh, well, more, more appropriately, it's been unlikability. It's been people that are technically, tech, they're absolutely so skilled at what they do, but nobody can work with them because nobody can stand them. And I've, I've heard every, I've heard, I've heard foul language. I've heard polite language to describe people this week and working with clients that are vexed by somebody who's capable and competent, but nobody can get along with them and nobody can stand them. And so I, I was thinking, you know, the power of being a likable leader, but I don't want the audience to misunderstand and think that we're going to come on here and, and preach that this is your family. You need to, you know, it's all kumbaya and, I, I don't believe that. So I'll preface this by giving you my bias and my viewpoint. And I understand after 66 years on the planet that I'm a bit different. And that may not be good, by the way. But I was telling Lisa, for me, it was just the opposite. There are people that I won't, there are people that will say, I won't hire friends. I won't hire people that I'm close to because it would be difficult if I had to correct them or God forbid, if I had to terminate them, that would be difficult. I roll the other way. The closer I get to people and the closer I allow other people to get to me, the more I'm compelled to serve them. My problem, especially as a young leader, were those people that I didn't care that much about. And they might need some correction, but I had to battle some apathy in that, you know, I just don't care. I mean, if they make it, they make it. If they don't make it, 
I don't care. Which is horrible to confess, but the people that I cared about, I'm like, I don't want them to fail. They're going to fail over my dead body. I'm going to do yeah. everything in my power to help them succeed. And I have discovered, especially in doing this kind of work for the last 13 or so years, that's not how most people approach it. But to me, it all speaks to can we be likable? And I'll just go ahead and sum it up, and then we can kind of reverse engineer this. I don't know how you can be a good leader or a great leader without being a good human. I don't know how you can do it without being kind, which doesn't mean that every every conversation doesn't mean soft. No, it absolutely means soft. Soft. So I don't know. What are your initial thoughts? And we'll take this wherever we need to take it. I feel I feel similar. And I've had many conversations around this that it is much easier to invest in and correct somebody that is trying hard, they're kind, they're compassionate, they're just not doing well in something to correct and coach them. When they're good when they're just good people, they're loyal, they have a good heart, they're trying, it's much easier to invest in them than the people that have a bad attitude, don't get along with people, frustrate others, and are just I call them negative Nancy's, you know. They're just they're just a disruptor. It is much harder to want to invest in them because frankly, it's easier to get them off the team in your theory of addition by subtraction. Yeah. And that's just the reality of it. When you have good humans, you want them to succeed. When there's bad humans, it's it's often better to get them off the team. The problem is when they're in leadership and they're really highly skilled and really great at their trade, Mm-hmm. So they they benefit the organization through their knowledge, through their expertise. Typically, I've found that the bad behavior is much more tolerated and just corrected. It's just like kind of we got to live with it. They're really great at what they do. So everybody just manages around them. Yeah, you tolerate things that you would just try to avoid tolerate. interaction and, and only interact when absolutely necessary to get something done. Does that make sense? I mean, that's yeah. no, that's what I've found, exactly. um, and, and that's, that's what, what creates challenges. But what's difficult is the toll that somebody and we're we're kind of rolling it all up in one big ball and calling it likability or unlikability. Uh, again, I don't know if we're going to lead if we just focus for a moment on the leadership part of it and our leading people. And you and I both know there are people who are they're technically super competent at what they do and their immediate team or maybe their whole team, they're likable. They're likable to that group. So they're in yes. But anybody Yeah, anybody outside their department, anybody out outside of their their team, their group, they can be toxic and caustic. And I think we've all seen that. To me that's that's as bad as it gets. It's far easier. Okay, well, they're just incompetent or they're less competent and nobody, you know, it gets really complicated. Yeah, there's a big difference between being highly skilled in your trade and being a poor performer and a bad attitude. Two diff- completely different yeah, right. methods of interaction and impact, yeah. right? 
I mean, if it's a bad attitude and a bad performer, we've all dealt with those and you typically get them off the team pretty quick. But when it's a highly skilled and the further up in the food chain is what I call, you know, the further up you go in leadership, um, if they're highly skilled and just have, I call it bursts, they have bursts typically of bad behavior and everybody comes to expect that from them. That's when you get, that's when it's challenging because it is really hard. I've found to go into it. You're just, you know, it's going to be on the simplest thing. You're like, okay, I just can't wait how this is going to come out. You know, that you, you just kind of assume there's not going to be a positive outcome or you're going to get beat up in the process and you just come to expect it. And that's what's challenging on the highly skilled but poor, unlikable, as you call it. Um, and, and anybody that's been in their career path, probably at any level, has experienced it. It just is in varying degrees, depending on where you're at in the in the hierarchy. Have you in ever words, have you ever experienced um have you ever experienced somebody that had these that had these negative characteristics or traits or qualities? Of course, yeah, of course. And, I, and, I've been in my but, career twenty seven years, yeah, right? Yeah. But <laughs> now I haven't finished my question. But have you have you seen somebody like that and then as you apply our five ingredient recipe for leadership that begins with humility. Have you found somebody, have you ever experienced anybody who had those qualities, but they also had the very foundational ingredient of the leadership recipe as we preach it of humility? Because I never have. Never. I mean, because they think they're the smartest person in the room. Their pride is off the charts normally. Mm -hmm. And, Therein lies the problem. So yeah, their ego hit, is high. Yeah, before we hit record, Lisa and I were like, okay, well, where are we going to, where could we go with this? And I'm like, you know, <laughs> the problem is it's a little bit like an addict. You, family can want it. Spouses can want it. Friends can want it. But until they want it, ain't nothing going to change. And I, I think this is much the same way. So hopefully we're catching you somewhere in your leadership journey, and maybe you're just trying to figure that out. I can tell you, in in all of my work, which typically is with high-level leaders in the city government space, city managers to directors, not much below director level, sometimes occasionally deputy or assistant director level, and then in dealing with CEOs or business owners for years, um, every everybody encounters it. Everybody, everybody's yeah. got stories. Everybody's got stories of people on their team, people on other teams within the organization that they have to work with that are just problematic. And I've just now thought about this, but if I had to extract all of the work and the time and the effort that is put forth on my part in trying to help clients. If I took just this one element out of it, I don't know that I'd have work. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it is unbelievably big. Yes. Just unbelievably big. And maybe that's why it's, it's kind of top of mind for me. And so many people, especially coming up, and this is not a slam on younger people, but those people that are younger have just grown up in a different world 
and I don't blame them. I don't I don't blame anything. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. I've said it on here before when I had a business owner tell me, you know, how come soft skills are so hard? They are because we haven't learned them. And so I'm not sitting here saying that this can't be learned. I think it can be learned. I think you have to want to. I think you have to want to be a person who is respected. And I think that's probably a better word to focus on than likability, although in my mind it's kind of one and the same. But people can misconstrue likability for being, you know, I am who people want me to be kind of a thing. And, or soft, and that's yeah, not what we're talking about. No. And we're talking about, I like them, I trust, a bunch of synonyms that we could throw out here. I trust them. So, okay, just yesterday, I'm having a conversation over lunch, and a person's expressing this person who's so not likable. And I happen to know the organization reasonably well and know that this person is not, this person is not trusted by anybody that I know, is not well-liked by anybody that I know. And as a result, you know, isn't respected. How are you going to lead? How are you going to be an effective leader if that's the situation? Well, they aren't, right? They're just going to no, man they'll manage, no, but they're no, not well, going to lead. There's a big they're, difference. They're a boss. About. Uh -huh. They're a boss, at least for now. And I get that that's problematic, but that's a whole different thing. Being a boss is a whole different thing than being a leader. And this is about leadership. Our podcast is about leadership. Yes, it sometimes it crosses over into being a boss and hopefully being a good boss, but they're not necessarily the same. Well, and so, if I can interject, Randy, yeah, please. you know, when you're talking about you're talking about this unlikable uh good human theory kind of the reality when we talked about the leadership recipe is not only do they I have not experienced any of these this this type uh i have never experienced them having humility they do think they're the smartest person in the room that their ideas are the best and the only way and they're not curious they never try to find out your perspective uh why did you how did you get there help me understand they're typically not collaborative either they will be when they're forced to be but they want their ideas and their ways done and so as you try to interject ideas, what I found, and it's always the same, is that it's there's they'll give you a, a paragraph long diatribe of why your idea won't work. And it's ridiculous. It's kind of it's always an extremist. Have you found that? Mm -hmm. It's well, not only that, but it, that is so stupid. Why would we want to do it that way? It's a, <laughs> a colossal inefficient waste of time. It's a and you're like, but you but you never asked the why. I mean, in my head, I'm going, how would you know what it is or isn't? Because you haven't yet asked. You're in, they yeah. always are in, it's like tell mode. They're yeah. always in, this is ridiculous. And I always get a paragraph long without asking any questions right. of why this is the dumbest idea on the planet. I mean, that's kind of the theory, right? Um, and, yeah, but and that's even, their communication style too. To correct. 100% of my experiences with clients and with myself I mean, these are not people that are, are, I mean, their communication just lacks any empathy at all. I mean, That's they're right. coarse, they're abrupt, they're Pulling the China shop, we've yeah, heard that. I mean, China it's clunky in dealing with others. 
they're yeah. breaking stuff around them while right. they're just trying to get to the door, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so right. it's that, it's that whole, it's just a, a, it's a style. I don't know how else to explain. It's just a style that you can see quickly when you've been in the ind- industries as long in the, in the work, the career, as long as we have, you've just seen it and you recognize it. You almost can recognize that personality type or style within 30 seconds, 30 seconds of talking to them. Yeah. I mean, you quickly true. I mean, yeah. have you found you oh, identify yeah. it almost well, immediately? I can. I can, but I'm, I'm a noticer, you know, so yeah. I pick up on it's, it's cues. typically re- very high ego. Um, and like you've said, um, it's very similar. I often find that their team, they're likable by the team that their immediate team um, because they, do they behave differently? Have you seen, you know, the unlikable person to other departments, do they behave differently with their own team or is it the fact that they're just so stinking? And we're talking about the high performers in their own lane, the people that are, they're just so competent and they've got respect because of the competency. I mean, what do you think's going on there? I've seen, I've seen two different, two different, um, what do you call it? What would I call it? Two different uh, types. I have seen, and two different, two different management kind of. Well, let's and we're, I'm talking leadership at this point. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going deeper because the teams can have the same sure peer, even as you go down to the lowest level, right? But yep. from a leadership perspective, I've seen the unlikable, harsh, abrupt bull in the china shop to everybody, including their team. And, and they're experts in their field, but we just have to keep kind of managing and coaching them and we're always correcting the issues, but it's, it's, um, it's but always addressing team, it. But with their team, are they that way too? Yeah. And, and the team, the team doesn't like it because of the, but that, but I found what they try to do or what leadership tries to do is often redirect the team. Okay. We're going to have this team. There's a restructure. You're the expert in this field, but the team's going to report to the assistant director. Yeah. So you try to they, do it. They put a filter. Around. They put a filter in between. Yeah. A layer that helps. How does that work? Retain them. Well, it that person is typically upset, but at the same time, they still have their position and their power and their authority. So they, that's what I've seen most common in that type. They'll yeah, just so put a layer just between. It's like a real band aid approach to me. It is, but you know, when you're talking, it's so hard to get great skilled yeah. trades right now. Uh, and for many years, I've seen that tolerated. If they can just kind of isolate them to do your work. Yeah. See, I would take somebody that can't perform at that level that even if, I mean, maybe they could only perform at 80% of that level, but they're a super good human and they're a really good leader and they can really build an organization. Give me that person over the super technically competent person all day long and I'll kick your butt from here to there and back. And I think that, yeah, that's everybody's goal. Sometimes that's not the reality of what we find. Well, because I, so I've I seen it. That, all I'm saying is I've seen it, to, you know, sure. I've seen it tolerated, but people aren't brave to, enough to make that decision. Yeah. You try to fix what you can. And typically the ones like that, that I've seen are very long tenured in the organization. So they have been, I call it workarounds. There's they've been, been workarounds built in. Yeah, they've been put up. Well, here's what it's like. It's like sitting at a car dealership and trying to buy a new car, and you've been there six hours, and you're trying to negotiate this thing. you got so much time invested, you're not leaving without a car. you got to <laughs> no. be willing to walk away. We've also all 
Well, I've done that, Randy. Yeah, of course. And so some of these people, they've been in the organization for so long, it's like, you know, they, we got so much time with them. Yeah, well, there's a new car around the corner. That's what yeah. I would say. But listen, but I it's you know, when you're there, we've all we've all yeah, seen I mean all we've all seen that that happens and you just try to manage it and um power power through it over the course of time the best you can. The second type is the one that's very likable in their own team. And then they're uh, a little bit of disruptors is what I've call it with others, right? It's their way. They don't understand why you're making that decision. It's, it's not good. I've got a better way. I know better than you. Yeah. It's, it's that whole kind of theory. Um, And those, what I've seen typically reflect because they're kind of, their, their team knows they're always promoting I would say promoting themselves. In other words, I'm getting this for us. I'm I'm going to get you what you want. I will get this. I will I will do this. Yeah. And they do it for the team so they know whether what I don't know is how they're interacting with them if it's tolerated because they know well right. they're going to get us what we need. Yeah. So they Yeah, they uh, fight but, for us. That's right. They fight for us and they'll they'll die on the sword yeah. for us kind of yeah. thing. So I've seen that type and those are the ones, you know, you also find ways to manage around that because they are technical experts. And typically what I find is people like that, their peers are dealing with them. They, it's avoidance. In other words, I'm only going to deal with it when I absolutely have to. And then we'll just try to figure out, okay, what is it you, I mean, instead of going in with a, how should we, it's never that, it's what it, what do you see as the outcome? And right. you have to start with that. Yeah. Well, you because have to then you have to back in. People. Can I meet that or not? Right. If you can meet it, most people just are like, that's fine. I mean, why, why go into the fight? If you're, if you know the outcome's not going to be good, yeah. most people will just go, just let's get them where they need to go. It's not a ethical, it's not unethical, illegal, or immoral. If it's none of those three and it's not against any major policy law, you know, what those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. You just how can you, quant- go how into can you it. how can you quantify the toll that the unlikable leader plays in the role of an organization? Have you figured out any way to any way to quantify the price tag that's associated with these kinds of people? You know, it's interesting because um, what I've seen over my you know thirty-ish years in the in the industry, and the good news is. These types aren't what I call prevalent. They exist, but they're usually in very small volume, right? And so from a toll perspective, I think it's minimized because they lead their team well and everybody else just kinds of, kind of um, separates themselves from them. In other words, they only deal with them when they have to. So you minimize the interaction. Um, so I don't know if the toll is heavy. It's just a, they're just a disruptor in moments and everybody adjusts to that is what I've seen. Everybody just adjusts and builds workarounds that okay, we'll, well, I've we'll got, do it when got, we have to. So I got questions. So okay. I, I know, I know, I know how teams are, including years past and present. Mm-hmm. So we'll, fi- we'll, we'll fictionalize this a bit. So have you ever had a person kind of sort of like this that has been part of your team at any point over the course of 20 some odd years? 
yes. a person. And if you were to quantify the before and the after, tell us some stories. As it relates to the price tag, because I'm gonna I'm gonna push back. I think the toll's ridiculously high. I think it's horrifically high. And I think it's horrifically high because I think it is it squelches productivity. It squelches coming to work and enjoying the work versus coming to work and dreading coming to work. I think I don't know that we I don't I don't have the capacity to measure it. Somebody bigger and smarter than me would have to do it, but I've seen the before and after. I've seen it in my own teams and organizations. I've seen it I've seen it virtually I'd have to think long and hard. I doubt so, I doubt I've had a client that hasn't had a direct report that this is sooner than later. I I'll go here I'll go so far as to say this. In the first sixty days of engagement with me, I would be hard pressed to think of a single client that this very thing has not come up. I agree with you that it's not prevalent and that it's it's not like they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. But the tsunami that is caused by one person like this is ridiculously high. Would that great <laughs> would that great people you know, had had a similar tsunami, and I'm not saying that they don't, but boy, they don't get the attention. Yeah. And when you look at an organization, let's say that a director has a direct report, and mm-hmm. the direct report is like this, and this is how they behave. But man, they're gr- they're great in that lane. Man, that lane that they're in, they're great. They're great, great, great. So we keep them, we keep them, we keep them. And then finally, this is typical. Had enough. Too much disruption, too much chaos, too many complaints, or even worse, now we've started losing A players off the team because they can't stand working for this person. They can't stand reporting to this person, and now our hand is forced and we have to do something, and now eventually they exit, and now all is right with the world. So I would. So here's where I would agree with you. Remember I said there's two types? Yep. I would definitely agree with you because I've I've experienced whether um, and remember from an HR perspective I've experienced some within my team over over twenty seven years and I've dealt with others who have it on their team and they're right. coming to me for guidance so I yep. I have seen it both ways the one that is most disruptive and and has these horrible ripple effects is when they're not only unlikable by their peers which we see it less but they're, they're disruptors on their team. Those are the ones I would absolutely agree with you. The ripple is high because if they're doing yeah. it to their team, now sometimes it takes a while to come out because you don't see it, but then you start seeing, you know, their team's acting weird yeah. or I can see facial expressions in a meeting and I'm like, okay, what? And then you start having to be curious and dive in, right? Yeah. Well, like if I I'm have a poli- seen those, if I'm, a, Randy. if I'm a police chief and the director of public works is a, you know, if he's a moron, okay, big deal. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. yes, and and this is that's the challenge. It depends yeah, yeah. on ha- what the depth of that leadership yeah, impact is. So I've seen that, and that is horribly disrupted because typically, like you said, it derails everything because you don't know. They usually are very good at hiding 
mm-hmm. uh, or separating you out. They start separating you out of decisions and go, oh, no, no, I did. You know, I've dealt with that. Here's what I've done. And it's their version. And then you typically find out far later the impact and this ripple that it's had, the tsunami, as you called it, that came way after the fact. Yeah. You yep. heard it's coming, but you actually experience it at some point and it destroys, you know, it comes yeah. over and over right. Yeah. Overtakes you. Yeah. That I would agree with you. The other one is if you're thinking, like you said, police chief, public works director. Those typically I've seen when I was saying when I was thinking of impact, I was thinking peer to peer more so. And you don't have you uh, like I said, there's an avoidance or there's a filter that gets built. You work around. You work with their number two that is likable and well, is easy, the or you the work or- above them. Yeah, because the rest of the organization's got to get stuff done. The problem that I have seen, okay, it doesn't affect the police chief much, but there's going to be other departments that it affects way more than it would affect him or her because their roles are different, and they're going to interact a bit more, and it, it still is a horrific – it still is so much energy and time spent. This is where my head goes. That workaround. You think about the effort now that we have to put forth to just do an end run so that we can avoid this idiot that everybody hates dealing with, that nobody trusts, that nobody respects, but they're very competent at their thing. And we're like, yeah. you know, it's just, it seems to me an unreasonable amount of effort and energy yeah. spent trying to navigate something that shouldn't even, it should not even be a thought. And we're not saying it's any given leader. We're just using police chief or public works or whatever yeah, well, as I'm this. Just, I, I picked purposely. Title X, yeah, right? I Title pick, X. I, yeah, I picked, I purposefully picked one that, okay, we got street They typically stuff. don't interact. Well, yeah. we got street stuff going on, so we need cops to redirect traffic. Okay, I get that. But, you know. On a day-to-day, that's yeah, not their they're, go-to. They're, they're not interacting, you yeah. know, all that, all that much. Um, yeah. So, but that, but you're right. It's, it's, it can be disruptive. It, I guess it depends on the role and the ability, the um, frequency of interaction and the workarounds. Yeah. Because it's, it's much easier if you don't interact with them often to be, have less time consuming impact right over, over the course of time. Yeah. If, so, and if they're handling their team well, again, it's even less because they're managing what they're over. And so you're like, okay, good to go. And then you just limit the impact of having to go to them for things or you go up or you go down in their organization to work with somebody else that you can do and get things done easily. And then they work up because they typically they have the respect and trust of that person that, like I said, the two types I've seen, um, they'll get things done. The challenge I've also seen, though, is the influence they've had. If that leader is difficult to work with. The common thing that I've seen occur is that the team's approach to other groups, you can tell, is a similar attitude. In other words, they may be easier to deal with, but you can tell there's kind of an overarching, like Department X is fairly negative towards, like, let's say, HR. Like, generally, when they deal with this, they think there's going to be a problem. So you can tell it's kind of... Yeah. Uh, what do you call it? It's poisoned the well of the whole it's, department. It's filth- yeah, that the, the 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 approach to us or the view of us in their eyes, you can tell has been impacted. Um, but they try to work with us and stuff. So I can you sure. can just almost feel it. It's yeah, tangible. Yeah. 
and palatable. Uh, I mean, it's you can as feel a longtime it. HR director. Where does where does all this play in your mind with promotability? Because no doubt we've got people. Well, we know we do because we hear from people sure. who are in certain roles in city government, but they they've got aspirations for something. How important is likability? And again, this is kind of a synonym for being trustworthy, doing what you say you'll do, being collaborative, being a good human, being kind. Uh, that doesn't mean again soft. Doesn't mean that you're a pushover. It mm-hmm. just, you know, it just means that you understand you're not the only person in the organization. You have to work with other people in order to get some things done. Where does all that play when it comes to a person's ability to be promoted? Well, I think that I believe the challenge we've all seen that I I I know exists especially now in a world where it's difficult to find highly skilled, especially labor trade type people. Um, I've seen over time, generally, and this is whether they're likable or not likable, we as humans tend to promote the experts in the field, not realizing that they're great experts, but maybe not great leaders. And then we don't teach them how to lead. That's where I see the most common breakdown, but from from an HR standpoint. From a human standpoint, if they're not likable in an HR world, we try to tell them, you know, listen, they're 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 tough on people. Are you sure we want to do this? You know, they're they have challenging interactions. And and sometimes you'll get, well, I can work, I can keep working with them and I'll try to improve that. I'm aware of it. And we'll keep coaching them. And other times they're like, well, you know, you're right. But it's hard. So many people and Cheryl and I, my boss, have talked about this so many times um, that those crucial conversations are what we need to happen. And they often don't. Does that change? Crucial conversations are hard. Does Of course. Does that change the higher the altitude of the leader position? Meaning. Um, great meaning, question. Meaning. Well, I'm I'm think I'm thinking of all the I'm thinking of all the assistant deputy city managers right. that have aspired to city management and gotten the nod or you know, even gotten to be finalists but you know, but didn't get a nod. Yep. And I and I wonder at that level I get that. I get that. If you're going to be a director of HR, you need to know HR stuff. Mm-hmm. My question is: Once you get past a director level, does that promotability factor is it does it change? Is it less than about technical competencies? Because at that level, are they going to be kind of sort of assumed? And now right. we're looking for something else or not. Well, I've been I've been fortunate because there's only been a few leaders in my world uh, in Grand Prairie. But I can tell you um, in talking with so many people experiencing all different types of leadership. What I have seen is the further up you go with that uh, bull in the China shop kind of perspective and the I'm always right, high ego, those kind of things the higher you go, the greater the impact and the greater the visibility becomes. Yep. And I think that can be challenging and working, you know, cause I, I meet 
regularly we in as an as an HR director, I know I've just recently promoted to managing director, but in that world, that is talked about commonly the higher up they go. It's interesting because sometimes the they don't last because that there's greater impact is the only way I need to say it. Yeah, uh, yeah. The only way I can say it. Yeah. I'm fortunate not to have experienced this much at the upper levels, right? I'm seeing it more as a peer-to-peer or other industries, um, other people coming to me with issues. But the higher you go and the more visible it becomes, the disruption can happen quicker. I guess is the best way to say it and can be less tolerated as I've talked to others. Well, I've had conversations. Do you with, agree? Cause yeah, you're in a I different do. world I, at the I, private I sector I, side, but I've had countless conversations with people in city government who are on hiring panels and for all kinds of jobs, not, not for the highest level, just, you know, all sure. kinds of supervisory kinds of jobs. Um, they could be at any, at any level. And some of the feedback that you get, you know, I'll just ask, well, you know, what's, does, what does the candidate poll look like? And invariably, they don't talk about the technical competencies. You know, they talk about a person's poise in the room. They talk about whether or not they believed what this person was saying. Uh, right. You think it's more ab- fit? Fit than experience? Or fit than no, no, I... I, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna hang my hat on today's subject. I mean, I'm gonna hang my hat on the fact that you know somebody walks in the room and they just they just they like one candidate more than another. Now sometimes they can't even put language to it. Sometimes they just it's a vibe, it's a feel. It's you know this person came in and they were just they were comfortable and we could just see them. It, it just I call kinda, it my kind of people. You can yeah, just kind of you're just yeah, like just, well that's my that's our kind of people. Right, How many it, times have we said that in an yeah. interview? It just felt right. And then mm-hmm. uh, just this week, I had a conversation. They were talking about various candidates for a certain job that, that wasn't w- wasn't anywhere near a director level job. And that, you know, they had one candidate and it was just weird was the word. You know, this person just came in. They were just just strange, just kind of awkward. Um, OK, well, that that goes to likability. Somebody else. And they were just like, you know, just seemed full of themselves and just didn't quite trust everything they were saying. Now, these are people that all have got a resume that would indicate they've got the skill set for the job. Mm-hmm. So in those conversations, more often than not, those seem to be, okay, we've got this baseline. Like, you got to know. I, I, I remember. But doesn't, don't you feel like kind of fit equals likability? When people are talking about fit, they're really – Talking about well, somebody yeah, that I works it, well with others. It does because what I like and what you like, but can we be universally can we be universally likable? I think there are some things, and maybe this is a good place to kind of wind this down or try to see if we can bring this to a to an apex here. I, I think it's I think it's we could say being authentic or genuine, but you could be an authentic, you know what, and that doesn't work. So <laughs> let's throw that out. People have got to trust you. They've just got to trust you. I don't know how you can be an effective leader. I don't care if you're a supervisor of one. I don't care if you're a city manager of 2000. You've got to be trusted. People have got to trust you. And And further, you've got to be respected. That's people inside and outside. Well, and you're not going to get that if they don't, if they don't trust you. If you're not likable. Yeah. So as a husband, I want, 
I want Rhonda to respect me. You also want her to like you, don't you? She's got to, <laughs> yeah, but she's got to, she's got to trust me. Yeah. And if she doesn't trust me, there's no way she can like me. I mean, I don't know how and vice versa, you know, it goes the same way. So can you, can you be a person who I had a client years ago and one of the problems that bosses reported really competent, really capable. We just need to, we need to teach him some leadership stuff. Okay. Well, what's the number one problem says yes to everybody. Can't say no to anybody and means it, but can't fulfill it. No, can't deliver. You can't deliver a yes to everybody. No, you can't deliver. It's impossible. You know, uh -huh. but but just can't find a way to say no to people. Mm -hmm. And so being trustworthy means not being a yes man. It means being able to tell people the truth and backing it up. You know, don't commit to something that you aren't willing to make happen. Be a person of your word. Yeah. And today you would think, well, that's, I mean, that. That ought to be everybody. Well, it probably ought to be everybody, but it's not everybody. It's rare, 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 rare. And sometimes it's not, sometimes it's rare because people, they're scattered. They're not organized and they forget. They commit to things and they don't have enough structure in their life. They don't have enough processes to help them stay good to their word. Okay, well, that's problematic. That's problematic and it will make you not likable. Right. And I will maintain till I'm dead. Yeah, if you're not likable, you could be promotable, but there's going to be a limit to it. Now, I came from a hardcore sales and marketing background, and nobody's given the choice to buy something from somebody that we like and that we know and that we trust versus somebody that we're not sure about. We're going with the former than the latter all day long. We just are. It's why referrals work. It's why social proof works. It's why five-star reviews on Amazon work. Because, hey, these people did it, and it, okay, it worked out for them, so surely it's going to work out for us too. All that speaks to trust. Now, whether or not it's real or not, okay, we could argue that. But I think it works the same way in the workplace, and I, I still consider the human toll that is taken when somebody, to me, the worst case scenario is the highly competent jerk. That's as bad as it gets. The highly competent tyrant is as bad as it gets. Yeah. The incompetent, okay, we know what to do with them. Right. That we, That's much easier to deal yeah, with. Yeah, right? we talk ourselves into, yeah, but. Every conversation has a yeah, but. Yeah, but, man, he's, he's really, man, she's really terrific at this and that and the other. And meanwhile... You got six other people whose lives are completely wrecked every day, totally unproductive compared to what they could be because they've got this tyrant in their life. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's a big, big topic. I, I don't know that we've, I don't know that we've done it any justice. You got any advice? I mean, what, what would your parting advice be? And let's assume that we're talking to, well, we are talking to people. Anybody's going to listen to a podcast called Grow Great. We're not talking to the tyrants, but we could be talking to somebody that may, they just may not know how. How can I, how could I improve my ability to be more likable, not at the expense of my competence, 
but in addition to my competence? And you would say what? I'm I'm going to clarify. You're saying if you are the person that's unlikable and we're trying to coach no, you? No, if I just want to be more likable. I'm not saying I'm unlikable, but let's talk to the person in our audience. They've got aspirations. They're at a job. They like their job, but they want to keep climbing. And part of it is maybe they see that there's what if I could what if I could improve this? What if I could improve my ability to be more collaborative? What if I could improve my ability to to gain more respect in the organization? And I don't know any leader that doesn't want more respect in their organization. I think the in my opinion, the only way you do that is you start with our foundation of the leadership recipe with humility. You need to have more humility and you need to listen. You have to listen to others and what they're trying to achieve instead of instead of focusing on yourself it's a focus on others because it is inevitable that the individuals we are talking about always are focused on themselves and what they believe they can do and their ego and their um so if you're trying to become more likable so you can progress the first step in that is listening to your people and being humble enough to know you're not the smartest person in the room because with those two things alone they're going to lead you through the other ingredients of the recipe and you're going you're going to gain that respect and you're going to gain um better leadership skills instead of just managing people and telling them what to do bottom line Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.